There is nothing more appropriate than marching for a ceasefire on the day a ceasefire was signed. The real people desecrating armistice are those who will be laying wreaths in Whitehall while leading us potentially into another global war. Tony Blair killed up to a million people, including British soldiers. Suella Braverman, who wants to take Britain back to 1930s Germany. Rishi Sunak, providing cover for genocides. Keir Starmer, who's doing the absolute same. The ultimate hypocrites. Shame on all of you. Pretty sure that many of those who died in the war would look now what's going on in Gaza and be absolutely disgusted that a government is allowing that to continue. Five, six, seven thousand children have been killed. It's as simple as that. That is what informs the humanitarian impulse, which has got people out on the streets again and again and again in increasingly big numbers. There's no nefarious dark urges. It's just people who are disgusted by what they're seeing. And fundamentally, that is because Israel is losing the narrative. The truth that it is a violent ethno-state which is determined to cleanse Gaza of Palestinian people is just increasingly obvious to people. And it's not just a left or right thing. All kinds of people have seen what's happening and will be there at these protests, motivated by, again, the same thing, a basic humanitarian impulse. It's not rocket science. It's just a normal, well-balanced sense that children shouldn't be bombed. I understand that will be jarring for people in government, the kind of psychopaths who run the country, but that is what it is. Not out of hate, it's out of concern and out of a humanitarian impulse. They really wanted to ban a Don't Mass Murder Kids march. The police were under pressure from, of all people, the free speech warriors, the biggest snowflakes around. Suella Braveman, I don't know if she's trying to beat Pretty Patel for her sheer Tory head girl nastiness, but she's doing quite a good job of it. She has routinely branded pro-Palestine sentiment as hate marches, which is just transparently wrong. Uh, but her contempt for all life on earth doesn't just extend to Palestinians. Only recently this week, she's been trying to ban homeless people sleeping in tents. There is a massive disengage here between the ruling class in this country and just your normal people on the street. And it often is when there's a crisis, but I think the crisis of Gaza has really brought that to the fore even more. And fundamentally, what it tells us is that they have no answers. Neither the Tories nor Labour have any answers to the real crises. The Tories in particular are trying to turn this into a culture war. And the reason they do that is because they haven't got any bloody arguments. And so they try and reduce it down to an argument about identity, what's British, what's not. This protest will be full of all kinds of people. There will be veterans and there will be black people, there will be white people, old and young, Jewish, Muslim, but because they don't want to see children get blown up. It's not hard, lads. One of the fallbacks, the common fallbacks, which looks increasingly stupid, is that these protests are a place where Jewish people are not welcome. And anybody who is either intellectually honest or has been to one knows that Jewish people have always been at the forefront of resistance to these wars. The idea that all Jewish people define themselves by an allegiance to Israel is itself anti-Semitic. This woman's family died in the Nazi Ob Holocaust. Obviously Shouldn't the public and the common law have the right to peaceful protest, but that could incite hate towards a specific community. That Jewish is people. not hate! That She's is the hate to protect the Israeli extermination of Gaza. And you know what is hate? Is to assume that Jews supporting it. That is hate. That is anti-Semitic for you to even imply that Jews support 
this holocaust which is happening as we speak yeah, in Gaza. Is the truth. At, at the moment, it is 1 in the afternoon. No, no, shame on you. Where is the free speech union or whatever it's bloody called? Where is Nigel Farage, the ultimate free speech warrior? Free speech is being suppressed in the most astonishing way. Absent, they vanish uh, like mist burned off by the sun. When they do turn up, it is, surprisingly or perhaps not, to demonise the people expressing their right to protest, expressing their free speech. I want this march stopped. It'd be a disgrace if it goes ahead. But I worry that the people that run my country now are so gutless that they may fail to act. Funny how they become almost overnight authoritarians when it's something they don't agree with all year round. <laughs> the rest of the time, they, uh, of course, position themselves as fervent defenders of the right to say whatever you want, no matter how offensive it may be. It's disturbing how uh, particular slogans, for example, from the river to the sea, but there's a suggestion, I think, that that slogan is a call to reverse the situation. Uh, so there, there is a, a, maybe a Jewish ghetto and the Gazans are oppressing them. And it's amazing to me how that slogan has become somehow more of an affront, just a slogan, than the literal bombing of children and of hospitals and of schools in Gaza. A slogan is more offensive to some people than the actual practical day-to-day -day bombing of an open-air prison 25 miles long with a million children in it, thousands of whom have already died. It's bizarre to me. Those two things can even be compared, and yet they are. Council culture is a thing, as it turns out. Generally speaking, it's the right who are complaining about it. Until it comes to Palestine, where discussion about it, uh, its historical context, its daily material reality is banned. Uh, particularly true also when it comes to its advocates. How many people have we seen shouted down, ejected from political parties, banned from platforms, censored and attacked in the press for expressing support for the struggle of Palestinian people, locked as they are into Gaza, surrounded by walls, and a Western-backed modern military. It's the ultimate cancellation, that of the Palestinian people. And I think anyone who's remotely fair-minded can see that. As we are approaching remembrance, and we'll be remembering uh, British soldiers killed in the line of duty, we should include in that the 700 British soldiers killed in Palestine. Remember that Israel was born out of terrorism, that people committed terrorist acts. Zionists were actively fighting an insurgency which killed more British soldiers than died in Afghanistan. And I hope that when we remember all the other British soldiers and servicemen who've died, we should remember them. The King David Hotel itself. It was in the wing on the right of the picture that the terrorists placed their explosive. And the result of the crime the tragic scene is like a serious incident during the Blitz. The hotel housed the British Army headquarters and the Palestine government offices, and casualties were very heavy. Mr Attlee in the House of Commons declared, the British government will not be diverted by acts of violence in their search for a just and final solution of the Palestine problem. There is a sense in the media that this started on the 7th of October, and that of course is not true. Some people would say it goes all the way back to 1948. Others, correctly, would say it goes back even further to the Balfour Agreement, when the British, in classical British style, promised a bit of land, which wasn't theirs in the first place, to two different people, a promise which could never be reconciled with reality. We cannot divorce our own historical tinkering in the Middle East from what we see 
playing out today. Undoubtedly, the people of Britain anxiously wait for the announcement of a policy which will prevent the loss of any more innocent lives. A lot of the discussion this week against the march in solidarity with Palestine has talked about how disrespectful it would be and how it would uh, desecrate the memory of our troops and there might be a risk that the cenotaph is vandalised. But what has gone completely unmentioned is the presence in Gaza of Commonwealth war graves. You can go onto the Commonwealth war graves website and it lists among the problems of running it, the threat of missiles and the electricity being cut off. And so our own ally, who we seem to support without question completely to their hilt, is currently bombing the area of a Commonwealth war grave in Gaza with weapons, many of which are made in Britain and in America. These Commonwealth war graves, which we are all told are sacred, must never be desecrated, are tended by Palestinians, maintaining the war graves, in that case of British Indian troops, colonial troops, who fell in Gaza over 100 years ago. And I think that's significant because it goes unmentioned again. The way you honour the dead, to my mind, is that you try and keep their numbers to an absolute minimum. These people who claim to be deeply invested in the memory of our troops are perfectly happy to cynically instrumentalise our own war dead to ensure that Israel can keep massacring civilians in the open-air prison that is Gaza. The way people are talking at the moment, it almost seems that a protest is somehow un-British, that it's somehow an affront to Britishness to march about things. But of course, that's absolutely not true. It's absolutely a British thing. You can say many things about the tradition of protest in Britain, but one of the things you can say is that it's very, very old, and it's older than quite a lot of things. It's older, for example, a lot older than the State of Israel, which was only founded in 1948. It goes back to the suffragettes, it goes back through the Chais, it goes back to the English Civil War, and so on and so on. It has always been the case, so the idea that people should not protest is, first of all, deeply authoritarian, but it's also not remotely, not remotely in keeping with any notion of a British character. A lot of people died during the war to assert right, right. freedom. I think it must be allowed to go ahead. It's nowhere near the cenotaph. It's, it's, it's in the afternoon, it's our thing. And most of those people, 90% of those people are not there to make trouble. They're there to express a deeply held view. Normal people are marching on Armistice Day in this country for peace in support of a ceasefire. The US, which loves to frame itself as some kind of peacekeeper and an arbiter of international affairs, has responded by sending a nuclear submarine into the Mediterranean, alongside its various other massive deployments, permanent and temporary, around the region. If what you do is a test of your commitment to peace, logically one must have to be on the side of the people who are out protesting in the streets. There is definitely an aspect of virtue signaling. There is a desperation, and it's embarrassing for senior politicians to associate themselves with the military at all times in an attempt to get some kind of reflected glory from it. And that is the case all year round, but never more so than when the poppies come out. And it's frankly embarrassing as a veteran. Veterans throughout Britain can see this. We're not stupid. We know the kind of rogues gallery of former prime ministers who will be shouldering in to be on camera at the official wreath-laying ceremony. People who are desperate to be associated, desperate to have a photo taken with our boys, and yet are absolutely committed to war and militarism. And we should all be very frank 
about their actual commitment to peace, their actual commitment to respecting the war dead. To quote Harry Patch, the last First World War soldier who actually fought in the trenches for the British, war is organised murder. War is a calculated and a condone slaughter of human beings. War has no use to anyone. It would be better to have given that Kaiser and his government a rifle and say, the other side, put him in a field, let him fight. It wasn't worth it. And he went further than that. He said, Remembrance was nothing more than show business. And it is his words that I always try and recall every time Remembrance comes around. And Remembrance is for a moment of serious reflection, not glorification of war, which is what it's become, but a moment for reflection on the victims, of the casualties of all wars. But it's particularly important now when the world is so fraught and particularly with one eye on history. And it's not catastrophist to say that any small thing could set off the war into a wider conflagration. And things are extremely fraught in that region. We are deeply involved in this. And it's not over the top to suggest that this could spill into something much wider. We have to think about this in the context of Ukraine. We have to think about the precipice we are on there. Nuclear powers are involved. China and Russia have an interest in the region. This is a very dangerous situation and we need to be very, very cautious. And for that reason, there is nothing more appropriate than an anti-war march in solidarity with the people in Palestine who are currently being attacked. There's nothing more appropriate than having that on Armistice Day, a day which takes its name from a truce, from a ceasefire, from a cessation of hostilities. It's absolutely right that people march. And it is the worst disrespect of all, the real disrespect, and the real desecration, is the people trying to weaponize remembrance to stop that. It's war season again, and the media, as always, will toe the line. It's during times of war that we should question more than ever the narratives that the mainstream media pump out. It's never been more important that we support independent media. So if you can, support Double Down News on Patreon.